welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm joined this beautiful Monday afternoon uh, by a poet, uh, the proprietor of uh, Pity Milk Press, uh, which um, publishes uh, illustrations, uh, poetry, and artist books. Um, but she is the author of a couple things, a couple books. We are, we're all born with the right to be angry. Uh, the floor of a cage floating above the floor of a house. And uh, she's got a recent po poem uh, that she uh, released called Sadness Dies Badly Like a Waiting Room Plant. I'm um, <laughs> excited to talk to her about uh, her passions, artistry, and why she does what she does. Uh, thank you, Chelsea Tadieski, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. How did I do there? Was that good? Amazing. Yeah, it's it's great. There's a lot of long titles, so I appreciate you taking the intention and care to read through all of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, hey, I, I brought you here, so I, I kind of like signed up for it, you know? Well, happy to be here. I've been a fan of the podcast for a while, seeing a lot of really cool buds and then also meeting some folks I would never have met, you know, outside of looking at the at what you're doing with this podcast. So thank you as well for having me. Thank you. That's so kind. I appreciate that. Yeah, a lot of great folks out here. Um, are you a River Wester as well? I am. I've been sort of in and out of River West for, whew, yeah, around 10 years now um, and currently located here. I love it. It's going to be hard to leave if I ever do. So you as well? Or are you an East Sider? I was an East Sider for a while, but because um, I, I, I went to UWM. Um, but I've been in River West for about two years now. And uh, I live like on the Southern edge of the neighborhood, kind of by um, Closet Classics and uh, Reservoir Oh my goodness, Park. yes, I remember that shop. It's been, it's looked so different over the years. I'm not even sure what they're selling in there now. It's more like a head shop, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it used to be this amazing thrift store. That shows yeah, how old I, I, I am to say that. <laughs> it shows my age. <laughs> I have not stepped foot in there. I just walk past it usually with a armful of groceries. Uh, I don't. I don't have a car, so I have to like, you know, grab like my have my arms like so full of groceries when I go to pick and save and back, and uh, it's it's a real struggle. But yeah. I make it work. At least River um, West is one of those neighborhoods where you can get by without a car fairly easily. I mean, there are inconveniences, of course, but it's fairly bikeable and walkable, so that's nice. If I want to go uh, drink cheap beer with a bunch of hippies in a basement, I can go do that like a block <laughs> away uh, or uh, go to some loud, um, loud uh, punk shows at High Dive or Bremen. Uh, lots of great options out here. Yeah, but endless possibilities of River West. I know. There's so many activities. Coming um, back online, too, hopefully very soon. Yes, I, I hope so. I'm getting uh, fully vaxxed this week, so. Uh, Amazing, uh, my second shot is tomorrow afternoon and I would be lying if I said I wasn't a scared little puppy about it because the first one was not great. It was not oh, the worst, yeah. but it wasn't the best. So I don't know. You always have to prepare for the worst, but hope for the best in those situations. Yeah, well, Chelsea, I wish, I wish you well. Thank you, thank you. Uh, we don't have to get into just, how bad how much of a hellscape this past year has been but it's just like what i think about has been like a semblance of normalcy i hope we reach 
you know, by maybe the end of the summer where it'll be safe to do, um, you know, limited capacity shows, maybe. Um, okay. Like I cover the music scene. Uh, so live music is just like my oh, bread I and bet butter. It's been such a devastating blow not being able to document those sorts of things now. And, you know, try as we might, but Zoom is just not the same. I mean, it's the same in, you know, poetry landscapes, too. You just cannot mimic the sort of physicality and the intimacy of a shared room. It's just, it can't happen. And, yeah, I'm very, very excited for for sweaty basements or what have you whenever we're able to to do that sort of thing. I know. I know. I love, like, just walking through, like, any given street of River West and being like, Oh yeah, I spilled beer in that basement. <laughs> yeah, it's like I know what your basement looks like. <laughs> right. I it's like I've been that shit way before you claimed it. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. Oh, for well, sure. to start to start Chelsea, uh how how was your day today? Uh, uh what did you do today? What did I do today? Um luckily nothing quote unquote bad. Um so I woke up, I got together with a friend of mine who does photography um, and went to Bayview. I believe it's called South Shore Park. Yeah, the beer garden. Yeah, I love that yeah. place. I always get names of parks and things mixed up, but it was it was South Shore. Um, and we just took a few photos over there. Uh, came back here, um, watched a ton of MasterChef. I don't know what it is, but I am hardcore addicted to Gordon Ramsay vibes. <laughs> currently so just been watching the be? hell out of that <laughs> yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah hey it's it's pretty dope that um you know we have uh adam Pollack from egg and flower about hell's kitchen this yes year. yes 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 i was just watching that with my sister yeah yeah it was kind of sad i don't know if you feel similarly if you've been following that season but it seemed like they kind of left really kind of abruptly did that seem to you too? It was kind of just like, oh, okay. I guess that, no. I didn't really see a reason, but I guess I just kind of jumped into it mid-season so I didn't follow the trajectory too well. But it's yeah, cool to get to Yeah, I haven't been season. following it too much my, myself, no. Um, I just saw that that was a thing. I'm like, oh yeah, Milwaukee. Any, anything Milwaukee represented like in the media, you know, it's just a, it's a win for us. But, no, <laughs> yeah. I, I've been actually... I haven't actually been able to watch the season. I, I should make time for that soon, though. Yeah, it's hard with TV. I, I I find that I kind of gorge myself on TV every once in a while at, like, really odd moments of the day. I don't have, like, a regimented schedule. Like, here's TV time. But sometimes it's it's easy to get sucked into that sort of thing. We're human. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I um, Yeah, because, like, especially when you're kind of, like, you have a lot of different hobbies you just but you're also like you know uncontrollably anxious so you like give yourself a lot of things to do and don't have time to do all of them yeah uh, it's hard to find that um that pattern especially right now like as it's spring and it's getting warmer out like yeah. i want to go out and you know enjoy the fresh air um it's so important and yeah but i also have like a lot of this you know so it's <laughs> yeah you do yeah. so much you do a lot i just i was you know looking at the page the uh your instagram channel and your youtube channel it is just hella prolific 
I was just, it was so impressive the amount that you're able to do and to keep it going. And I think podcasts are a thing that a lot of folks like sort of dream about being able to do, but don't necessarily follow through with. So like major props to, to this project and having it carry along and be so vibrant and awesome for as long as it has Thank been. You. I'm very, very lucky to be on. Thank you, Chelsea. I'm glad you could be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> stoked to actually um, get to know you because also like you're one of like those people on social media. Like, I feel like I've like, I know personally, but like, I don't. So <laughs> interesting. This is a good opportunity to like actually like get to know people that I know like virtually, but you know, yeah. may not have seen like, in person. So. Um, what we talk about in Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And so Chelsea, I, yeah, I, I remember like when I infiltrated the creative scene out here in River Westmore, you know, I came across Pity Milk Press. I'm like, oh, she's a poet. Um, love, po like, I love talking to poets. Um, poets are. <laughs> really? Oh, God. Just, I, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> I've yeah, I've interviewed a number of poets on on this show and um, right, yeah. I just really appreciate uh, an abstract way of like viewing themselves like like relative to the world around them but and also like taking a lot taking on a lot of the emotional convictions of mm. the world and the surroundings and um, storytelling can be done in just so many unique ways and um, oh for so, sure uh, yeah, so I'm interested in um, everything about Pity Milk and just uh, how it operates today. But before we do that, we have to take it back. So, <laughs> uh, so are you originally uh, from Milwaukee? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was born in Milwaukee, um, but spent my adolescent formative years um, in the suburbs of Waukesha um, and then promptly moving back to Milwaukee um, after high school and went to UWM as well. So hell yeah, UWM alumni. <laughs> it, it, yeah. <laughs> there we go, go Panthers. Oh, that, I didn't even see that sneaking in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah uh, I did spend some years living in Ohio, but you know, for, for the majority of my life, I've been in and around Milwaukee. I love this place so hard. And actually one thing that's really interesting about COVID and not being able to be sort of in proximity to a lot of bodies, you could, you know, in responsible ways be in close proximity to like outdoor space. And I've just grown to really appreciate the amount of green space we have here in Milwaukee and how accessible it is to everybody. You know, you can walk several minutes and, and hit the river or you can take a 10 minute drive and be, you know, 10, 15 minute drive and be in Cudahy. You can go to lines, you know, like there's just so much around. And that I think is something that um, has been sort of really healing the past year, <laughs> being able to sort of take in. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Like you, you you catch wind of what's been around you the whole time, but because we normally live in just such a like hyper competitive and uh, just very um, fast paced, like socio-political and economic climate, like mm -hmm. you just never have time to really soak in your surroundings a whole lot. Yeah. And uh, this past year really allowed me to um, slow down and like really uh, 
absorb like a lot of that, especially like getting into more old hobbies or fascinations that, you know, I just never really made time for because I was always just like mm-hmm. scrolling on my phone all the time or I like had to run to work. Uh. Gosh, don't we know that never-ending hamster wheel of scrolling? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh, and I think that you know there's been a silver lining of quarantine to like recognize that like we you know we don't want to like go back to that you mm-hmm. know like and we we don't deserve to go back to that. Right. Um, Our bodies like, are we, so much more than just you know how they operate under capitalism and you know forming our labor output. Exactly. And inform, you know, you just making really intentional and patient sort of connections with, you know, people and things around you as you could this past year. Yeah, I think for many, I mean, it was difficult experience, but also I feel a lot of folks expressing a lot of gratitude for it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Doing so, um, yeah, being able to just spend more voluntary time outdoors, like I got back into bird watching. I explored different amazing oh goodness that's that's I've heard of folks talk about that but I've never talked to anybody who did any bird watching I'm just hella curious about that activity are there a lot of birds around here that are that you wouldn't necessarily (laughs) see with a trained eye or untrained eye I should say I will say that it is pretty dope to like wake up every morning with like your my window's always cracked and uh, you can hear you're, you're gonna get this guarantee you're gonna hear any of like five or six different bird calls in the morning and being able to identify each every single one like which is which That's is so pretty wild. cool it's, that is so wild yeah. yeah i when i was walking down by the river earlier uh i saw some what i what looked like swallows um hmm. that were nesting right along the milwaukee river there like kind of close to the bridge uh uh uh, of north so unless I, I voluntarily took the time to you know bask in the wilderness that you know we preserved in this community mm-hmm. and uh, venture into it and make like those observations of just how the ecosystem is mm-hmm. like interacting with itself and what different creatures like you might stumble across like it's now I place so much value on that and I'm going to carry that with me like way beyond COVID yeah. a month ago I went to seven bridges for the first time I'd for never the been first there. time and you're you're a you are you a Milwaukee native no no I'm oh Milwaukee. okay okay well then that makes a little bit more sense so I didn't mean to call you out on that how what was your experience like over there in the wild wood uh, for the record, you're more. It's. It took me too long to get there. I will say that it's. It's, it's like gorgeous apparently a staple. Yeah, it's beautiful. And we went when it was still kind of the snow was melting. Oh, um, it's still so gorgeous that time of year, though. Yeah, but now I gotta go back. Now it's getting all green again, and like well, there's all the, like the foliage. The, you know, you're meeting another version of it. I mean, that's what's so beautiful about the Midwest, particularly, is that you do get to experience these cycles and these changes, and it's really fertile ground for a lot of creativity because you just you know connect and plug in in different ways according to how your cycles are aligned. It's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and 
even just like going to Bradford Beach when it, when the snow was melting with all the different ice formations, like that's another thing. Like I never would have made time for. Like mm. I'm so used to that area. Like you know, over the summer and uh, there's a bunch of people there, but being the only person occupying the beach while like watching where you step because you know they're you know you might slip and fall on some <laughs> icicle crevice like well, no one's it's, there to uh, watch you it's not well I guess you don't want to bust your shit anyway but yeah <laughs> but yeah like it's like that phrase you stop and smell the roses uh it's been mm -hmm. a good time to do that mm -hmm. no I I feel that again I think it's it's at least you know I'm just speaking for myself but you know it used to be a thing before like oh man I haven't you know taken a walk in a week or a couple weeks but now it's like oh I haven't not taken a walk in like forever you know just walking is kind of becoming sort of the center of my day I always make sure some sort of walk takes place I mean ideally in a green space but also walking along a cityscape offers its own inspirations and like yeah. definitely you know is needed to sort of orient and connect to the city too so yeah COVID, I mean, be damned, but also it's, it's, it's offered some cool sort of like meditation and reflection for a lot of people, I feel, which can only really help their artistic and creative practice in the long run. So. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I agree. Um, it seems like it has for a lot of uh, creatives of all kinds. Like I know normally I'm so invested in like the music, but you know, mm -hmm. poets, like such as yourself we're going to talk about that um, <laughs> yeah so uh so chelsea being as you know you're a you know you're a writer um you you have a uh, you're a literary artist so were you like an english kid growing up like was that your <laughs> strong scene <laughs> um you know growing up i i um how do i put this i always kind of had a sense of like a strong sense of an in internal landscape. I mean, as my mom would probably describe, I was super shy. Um, it was kind of hard to to crack me open and, and get me talking. But I do kind of remember sort of being highly observant and really introverted. And I think it wasn't until school, particularly probably middle school around, maybe slightly before that, that I started channeling that kind of um, like observation and energy into a specific medium like writing. Um, but, you know, I was kind of one of those students that didn't particularly like gravitate towards one field of study or another. I was like just pretty moderate, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I, I guess I took a few um, honors English classes and things like that, but it kind of honed in on poetry a little more specifically um, in college. Um, when I was sort of able to, to take more creative writing classes and, you know, have more of more choice of electives like that, that weren't standard curriculum. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Uh, what did, what did you study there? Uh, <laughs> um, I think I graduated with a very generic, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> God, literary and critical studies. Okay. I think it's kind of your standard, um, I guess, English BA. Not very, very sure. But I, I took a lot of, you know, English oriented classes, um, a few creative writing classes and a few book arts and zine making classes too. 
Nice. Yeah. Uh, the, the zine has really popped off the last couple of years. It's you know what? The zine, the zine is sort of the genesis of a lot. I mean, uh, what I particularly adore about zines is sort of the haphazard urgency of them. Um, and so I kind of gravitated towards that um, sort of energy and vibe, but I am also a Virgo <laughs> and I'm very sort of particular about certain things and have like um, an aesthetic eye that I kind of nurse and nurture a lot. So, you know, the books that Pity Milk put out, I guess like you could sort of describe them as, you know, sort of like the urgency of a zine and what, you know, the artists are evoking through their poetry, but also just kind of like in this nice like book art suit <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, zines will always hold a soft spot in my heart for a lot of reasons. But yeah, they're radical as fuck. I love zines. I love zine making. I oh, love yeah. brings community together, and you know, people have free access to really important information, community resources, yeah. and things like that. I think that's wildly radical and awesome. Very rad. Uh, very <laughs> rad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that has that has a resurgence too. The word rad. I was thinking oh, about yeah. this the other day because you know thinking about words and things and you know things that go through phases or whatever. One thing that really hasn't become obsolete yet is cool. Calling things cool, <laughs> it's always yeah kind of been okay. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. You know, it's I don't I don't. It will always it, yeah. <laughs> that word is like unable to be separated from. I feel, but but rad. I feel like it's just a colorful, like vivid synonym. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. especially as I got a lot more like radicalized politically in the last couple of years. Like I think mm -hmm. that rad is just more of a, uh, it's just more powerful. It has a stronger aura. And I like what you said about <laughs> stronger aura. I like that. <laughs> I yeah. Like that. Yeah. And I like what you said about, um, just how like zines are, what, like how you describe them as urgent. Um, like they don't waste any time. Like no, they don't give a shit about aesthetics books. either. You know, it's just like right. You don't it's have very blunt. Hand bind this right now. Like we're just gonna staple that shit together. Here you go. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's very, um, very blunt, very straightforward, very like matter of fact. Like no, like this isn't open to interpretation. Like, but as a whole, like as like a as an all encompassing body, like mm -hmm. it makes its intentions very clear. Right. And there's something to be said about, you know, sort of information based zines, but also ones that sort of pass along this information via personal experience. So it's like focused in on the self, but it also creates like these portals for connection, which I think is also just inherent in poetry in general. But yeah, I think zines and chapbooks and artist books, poetry, it, it's all like a super cool and nuanced sort of space. I really like how they play off of one another yeah. and use one another to sort of perpetuate themselves. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, I came up, when I was reading about your work, I came across that, that term chat book. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so chat, is that just like a more like compartmentalized like chapter book essentially? Yeah, I honestly, I think I've, I've sort of just naively, utilize that term without necessarily knowing exactly where it came from but I think 
just recently I looked that up because I was like this I was writing something up and I was like oh I don't know if everybody is familiar with this term and what it means but I think it, it also referenced its size like something that you can kind of easily carry with you as you're traveling like in your pocket like a kind of like a pocketbook size situation um but yeah you know in the sort of uh evolution of being acquainted with all sorts of different books and booklets and things you know zines was definitely sort of first and then it sort of you know marinated itself into a little more of like a chapbooky type uh aesthetic i guess you could say i, I wouldn't call pity milk artist books um and maybe that's just me thinking that you know it's it's not like professional enough or whatever but i don't know i feel like i want to keep um more praise for folks that get really wild with their design work and have a little more access to different like production methods that are more sort of visual art books you know that you could you would see in a gallery or something so there's something that i kind of wanted to keep accessible about pity milk where it's you know kind of that happy medium in between those two genres in the middle yeah yeah where kind of where it's like juxtaposing like the the visual but also like literary aspects in like a very uh, synergistic way yeah and like um you know chapbooks i mean maybe i'm wrong but you know for a lot of chap and i'm looking around at my room right now because i have so many but a lot of chapbooks you it's you'd kind of be hard pressed to find like visual illustrations in them so i think that might be another sort of aesthetic nod to zines um, is sort of like, you know, encouraging that collaboration between, you know, editor, bookmaker, poet, and artist, but also, you know, just having sort of these things play off of one another and have it be more of like a collaborative experience rather than just yeah. so self, you know, saturated in the poet's musings or whatever. Not that that's, <laughs> that sounds bad, but you know what I mean? It's, it makes it a little less um, saturated in the self and more of like a collaborative effort yeah yeah it's more of a hub for a lot of different uh uh methods of creative expression which yeah. is great and uh, then you know people meet one another through that process too so that's another really important part to pity milk i think is is just sort of you know trying to make those connections happen like blind dates kind of <laughs> it's cute yeah it's <laughs> yeah adorable so wholesome you know um <laughs> So that said, actually, um, I'd love to hear just kind of how Pity Milk Press all kind of originated. Where did it all start? Oh, yeah, I was trying to think of that the other day because I knew that would probably be a, <laughs> a question you would ask. Um, so yeah, I guess kind of revolving back around to our conversations about River West. Um, I was a young uh, undergrad and I was living with a bunch of DIY uh, punk artists in this show space, living room show space venue, whatever you want to call it, called the Laundry Shoot. Um, now right. obviously defunct, but it was above what used to be the laundromat um, called Soapies on Locust and Fratney, like kind of directly perpendicular across the street from the public house and right next to Woodland Pattern Book Center. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so it was kind of just the vibe of, you know, being a part of that community and putting on living room shows for musicians and poets and performance artists. 
Um, one of my roommates was operating a press called Plumberries Press, um, and I had a hand in sort of helping them with that project. But again, just sort of being in that general like pool of creative energy, I was, you know, in the back of my mind, I kind of knew that I wanted to do something on my own. And I think about a year or two into living there, we um, organized the Midwest Small Press Festival, which uh, was like a weekend long book fair. Uh, we had workshops, readings, things like that for bookmakers within the Midwestern region. Um, and so that was kind of like a deadline, like, okay, we're organizing this thing. There's gonna be a book fair, have a few books put out and table as pity milk. And so that's kind of how it all came together, I guess you could say. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it came from the uh like a, as a organic product of constant stimulation of like creative uh energy, just being in that environment. Yeah. Wow. And just like it was heavily sort of situated in like community and DIYness. Like, you know, if, if you wanted to put something together, like create your own small press or create your own venue, you know, that was something that people didn't just sort of imagine or dream about, they were just doing it. So it, oh, yeah. there really just wasn't any room for excuse. You just kind of went into it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the, that's the thing about River West is uh, if someone's like trying to do something, they're gonna do it. Mm -hmm. Like it's... <laughs> <laughs> they're just if, if someone wants to make something happen like they will take it into their own hands mm -hmm. um is what i love about you know i love the diy ethics of this community um it's yes. like you know if uh you're you're uh you know harsh noise projects like that you know you're trying to get cassettes done like there's people out here that are pressing tapes you know like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like that. or if you need flyers done um or if you need uh yeah, they're always or, like, well, I, I know somebody that can do that. You know, we'll, we'll you know, let's collab or. And they live a block away. They're, yeah. they're just a block away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. That's that's what's definitely very, I think, unique to this neighborhood. And they all, and they all grow their own food too. Yeah, yeah, and are have really cool colored hair. <laughs> you know, just... colored hair. Uh, you know, they, they assorted uh, house plants. Uh, nice fern, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my cat is slowly destroying it, but, um, you know, trying to give it a happy, long, happy life as best as I can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, that's also commonplace. Uh, there's, there's there's some sort of like a, like a uh, criteria that uh, you meet. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so so like when uh, so around what what like what year was that when that started? Ooh, I believe the first Midwest Small Press Festival was in 2012, that June, June 1st. Don't ask me how I remember the exact date, <laughs> but um, that, and then I think, um, yeah, I was in and out of the laundry chute and as somebody who was um, spending a lot of time there and part, partly living there since 2000, or it was in 2011. Um, and I guess I'm just remembering now, I think around the same time I was taking a, a zine chapbook um, course at UWM. And I think the name that I gave the project, because we all had to come up with an insignia or whatever, was Gritty Silk. And I think mm -hmm. from that, I kind of took that wordplay and then came up with Pity Milk, which I don't know, just kind of stuck. 
I, I was going to ask about that next. Uh, <laughs> the name, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is, um, yeah, it's just a, it's kind of quirky, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I like how closely it resembles titty milk, um, but not. Well, and then yeah. I also kind of view poetry in a weird way, like certain types of poetry, I guess you could say. Like poetry is so vast, and I guess that that could be another thing we talk about. But um, you know, it's sort of just like this yeah it's poetry is pity milk <laughs> you know it's just kind of trying to elicit some sort of like empathy i guess yeah 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 it's like boo boo the fool um, <laughs> yeah idiot like, savant type thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's you know in a, in a very um figurative sense like it's um pity milk like i i i like that so so that's been going on for uh, about eight, nine years now then. This point. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, just like with anything that you start, that's a little more long game. Well, I guess I never started it with any intention of it, you know, actualizing itself to a particular point. Again, it was just sort of a time of do it, do, 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 and not think, think, think. Um, but there are definitely years where, you know, a little less was being produced or a little less energy was going into what um, we could potentially put out. But yeah, I guess that would that would make it almost a decade old at this point, which is weird to think about. That's the first time I came to that realization just now. How old it is? Well, okay, <laughs> yeah, almost a decade. As we would say, as we would say, it's rad. It's Super rad. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bad, it's rad. So obviously, you know, it starts as your own passion project naturally, but what was like your first thing you pressed um, from somebody else? Oh, yeah, I believe that we, I'm trying to remember the timeline. Um, I believe we put out two books in 2012 for the Small Press Festival and they were local Milwaukee poets. One, um, maybe you have done a podcast with them, Bethany Price. Um, uh, I've heard of them, but uh, mm -hmm. okay. super, super talented poet and all around creative. Um, so their book, All I Want to Do, uh, was put out and it was um, a frastic um, poems that they wrote to hip hop songs on the bus driving around Milwaukee. So it was, you know, really musical and sensual. Um, and a really fun book and then the second book we put out um was called mercy and it was another well they're not milwaukee native but living in milwaukee at the time and was my roommate at the laundry shoot uh their name is sai and it was like this really cool sort of um play with visual shapes and was kind of more a concrete poetry experience where you know the words themselves were making really interesting shapes it was a little more esoteric so I guess like if you put those two next to one another as being kind of born around the same time, they probably couldn't be any further apart like aesthetically. <laughs> but I guess that's another thing with Pity Milk is, you know, we do have a certain aesthetic, but at the same time, if, you know, the work sort of just speaks for itself, we don't say no if it's not, you know, sort of directly within our line of vision. But yeah, those were the the first two that we put out. And it, it took a while for things to, to sort of um, open up to poets outside of the Milwaukee realm. Um, but eventually it did. And, you know, we started receiving submissions from people outside of the state. 
and then outside of the country too. So that's been really awesome to see that grow and that interest and that recognition grow. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine like, you know, like you were saying those, like those um, like small press festivals, like probably. Oh, are, yes. Such I bet they're so very monumental and like meeting people and uh, like, like, like meeting like-minded folk um it just will gradually balloon in scale uh in terms of impact no for sure and that's another reason why COVID has been particularly trying is you know we did have a bunch of book fairs lined up for that year um and you know traveling with the books and with our own poetry that was always something that we did as often as we possibly could and we you know sold books on the road or traded for other people's books so that was definitely sort of our way of you know moving with the project and not having that be an option has been so devastating <laughs> so yeah another thing to look forward to hopefully in the near future that those things come back online yeah. because there is nothing and i know i'm saying this as somebody who's really into books and poetry specifically but there's nothing like a good book fair <laughs> it's so fun yeah, yeah that was a uh a thrill when you were a kid, you know, the Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember, like, I used to go to Borders with my mom, like, when I was growing up, and I used to have so oh, much fun, fun, like, in terms of, like, yeah, like, local creatives and poets and illustrators, um, you know, it's, it's always just, like, cool to observe and take in, like, how folks that are, you know, local to you, like, live in your community and, observe a lot of the same things like in the community and in the world like kind of collectively like mm -hmm. in one in the same place as you like seeing just how they are processing and mm -hmm. uh sharing their um sharing those observations and and uh reflections is uh it just it it just feels very um homespun and feels very like like wow like because i'm in such close proximity to this person i feel like i know exactly like kind of what where they're coming from sort of but they still have their own unique story and unique like unique place it's coming from yeah that's that's what i love about poetry and i guess i don't know if this is just me but you know with any sort of um hobby i have there's always this weird like uh sort of push or pull or love hate relationship or things that are definitely like worth criticizing um but poetry in general um is hyper radical i guess you can say we're using that word a lot um in the sense that it's like you know language is something that we all use like every day whether that be you know something that's hyper repetitive or just solely informational or just, you know, asking for a task, but it's also like has this propensity to like sort of get funneled into this space where, you know, you can have this shared like connective human experiences that's just like outside of the realm of like the everyday, but it's still the material you use to communicate every day, you know? So it's, it's wonderful and it's awesome. And I think, you know, up until recently, I guess I've been seeing a lot more folks sort of like 
lean into poetry as a practice. I think for a while it sort of like sat in this weird academic, like highly lofty space. Um, Cause you know, like poetry is something that you study in school, but you know, I think it really is sort of coming back around to its sort of radical roots as just like this connective tissue that we all have. And not co-opted by like corporatization and, and capitalism. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, I would argue some some poets, some like celebrity poets are still kind of working within those institutions. But, you know, I honestly, I, I see a super bright and rad and rad. Here we go again. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, vibrant future for poetry, particularly for young people. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Like, it seems like it's a tightly knit community here in Milwaukee of uh, poets. Mm -hmm. And um, that also kind of brings it full circle to what we were talking about earlier, like, what feels familiar to us versus what feels like more open to interpretation via mm -hmm. poetry. Like, what I, what I think is, I think, unique to Pity Milk Press here, um, mm -hmm. in terms of your, like, philosophy and, and mission, and your your perception of of poetry and and chat books and uh and illustration like it's it's an act of resistance but tying that all into how each of us has like a unique experience and unique um oh gosh and that's what i i wish that so many people just trusted and knew about themselves you know like Another really cool word, or I was speaking to somebody about poetry and kind of what sorts of poetry we like to read. Um, and I really think that this this idea of defamiliarization is really interesting. So like there's this, you know, same experience that we might be having individually, but how I perceive it and how I choose to sort of write it out on the page may differ from how you perceived it and how you would write it out on the page but again there's that connective underside but yet we're we're viewing it from each other's point of view so you're like yeah. learning you know to both connect and also just like totally reformulate your ideas around these experiences which yeah. is like super rad rad oh yeah, my yeah. god <laughs> we need to have a count for how many it's a, hey that's a buzzword of the day <laughs> yeah um <laughs> Yeah, well, it is, it is, like, um, like, yeah, like, how everyone has a unique, distinct experience, like, you know, taking in the world around them, but how a lot of the, um, the, like, the implications are, are similar in terms of, like, living under harmful socioeconomic mm -hmm. models and harm and, like, exploitative um capitalism and and uh, you know and being being bound to our labor our labor values as as people you know as mm -hmm. as commodities and like how that in itself makes it feel like such a community at large like where it's like no matter where you are like what city you live in or where you're writing from like you know this is affecting us adversely causing us you know distress or um um as or kind of like as a reclamation like causing us to be inspired to act act out of resistance through poetry or through mm -hmm. art or through music whatever it is you do that just that forms entire like webs of collectivism 
uh, in a very individualist culture very powerfully. Um, it's right. it's easier to do that right now with like the age of the internet, you know, where oh, whole yeah. virtual communities and stuff like that. But it just feels like, you know, TLDR is <laughs> like, it, like it allows us to feel less alone and validate mm-hmm. our experiences under oppressive circumstances where it's right. like we all have we all have different stories but a lot of it is like the same fight we're fighting you know exactly and i think you know i you know it, when you come into contact with a poem um that is you know particularly good it really does sort of like cut to the cut the fat or what's that phrase trim the fat trim the fat yeah yeah, it kind of just like, you know, kind of just zooms in and just grabs hold of you. You know what I mean? There's really just, it's that connective moment. And, you know, the other forms of art certainly do similar things, but, you know, just the the sense of um, language. Yeah, I feel, and the way that you can sort of like enunciate in certain ways or use your body language, you know, it is kind of, people do tend to, to view poetry in kind of a 2D realm as well but you know i would argue that you know the there's infinite amounts of like three and 40 spaces where you know different sorts of emotions and sensations can be communicated with the same poem just in a different you know manner of delivery so yeah right like yeah whole worlds can be painted like pictures of with just a few uh terms weaved in into into uh sequence with one another and and that's what's so cool um so yeah the floor of a cage floating above the floor of a house your most recent chapbook uh tell me a little bit about like sort of like the the place this is coming from and what your influences were behind it yeah um I can remember very vividly um I believe this is when I was in grad school in this like hella small sort of isolated town in Southwestern Ohio. <laughs> so kind of not feeling connected to community because yeah, I mean, obviously that's something that's important to me. Um, but I remember uh, coming across this video of a polar bear, um, a, a, like starved sort of a man, just really skinny polar bear eating um, a couch cushion on a melting ice cap and I just you know it's not like I didn't care about environmental issues prior to that um but it kind of just you know this this new level of doom just like opened up in my chest (laughs) and I just remember writing the majority of the text for that book um that night and subsequent days so just kind of like reconciling being um sort of a feeling body that has a lot of attention to detail and cycles and systems and connections and just seeing all of these sort of being, you know, poisoned and tainted and ripped apart in ways that are, um, for lack of a better term, unsavable. Um, So yeah, it's kind of just a lot of weird climax anxiety in juxtaposition with sort of an internalized sort of isolation or you know sort of that being the um reaction that I have is you know just feeling even more isolated and set apart from an external world I guess you could say so not happy unfortunately <laughs> not all you know roses and violets but right yeah well, that's kind of where that came from 
I, sure. I, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, this is a lot to be said about how climate anxiety certainly can evoke some really like intense isolating emotions because because of we we live under with uh, an indoctrination of individualism and like mm -hmm. feeling so like we have to put the world on our shoulders. The reason that like the world is burning, like that the the, the ice caps are melting and that the uh, rainforest is shrinking, like all that stuff, like species are dying out. Like that's that it's a direct product. It's a result of like our own doing. And, and our that, failings, you know? Yeah, Possibly our failings to to sort of intervene. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like just a very like individualist complex that gets very indoctrinated um, by living under like a system that puts profit over people, and then there's a lot of imposter syndrome that comes with that, mm -hmm. and it's it's really it's really really toxic, and it's it's vile, and it's. It's just, it's cruel, you know, and, and for that reason, like when you see like, you know, these really heartbreaking uh, uh, implications of climate change and you look at how many people aren't taking it seriously, like you look but at let's like- let's be real, it's, you know, all the, the fuck off corporations that that's can't what I, well, that's, yeah, get that's their what policies I mean. in place and that's what I mean. their priorities. But yeah, you know, I, I know what you mean. But yeah, I mean, there is sort of that inherent, well, a guilt, I think, us as a generation has sort of internalized that, you know, I, I feel that our parents' generation didn't necessarily have to grapple with in as sort of um, an urgent way, that yeah. it does feel like we are failing, you know. Um, but then again, I think we are entirely disempowered from making any of these decisions. I mean, there are very... Uh, blatant efforts to sort of dismantle any sort of organization around these issues. So yeah, it, it can leave you in a place that feels entirely hopeless. But you know, how do you reconcile that if you still feel like so much, you know, yeah. but you're unable to intervene? <laughs> it's just, it's kind of the worst feeling. Right. Like we, we can't single-handedly and U.S. imperialism, which is part of the same question, like it's part of the same conversation, because U.S. imperialism is is what has colonized and decimated so many other countries and their resources. It, it's directly in tandem with the conversation of climate change. We don't have the power to do that, like to to, to undo that. I should say um, we can organize and we can you know, take care of one another collectively. And that, that is power. That's, that's really the best we can do. And it does work if people, if the masses do organize. And that starts on a local scale. And I it's also so think it easy starts, to feel discouraged. It also starts like just radicalizing your idea of like more expansive relationships too, right? Like just sort of inherently like, you know, building more vibrant relationships with people other than your immediate circles because again I think that's sort right. of this perpetualization or yeah it feels very like compartmentalized and here's my fence here's my house over here's another house I've been in before and like insular. you know 
yeah, yeah. it's it's very insular still so just like to sort of radicalize and open up sort of more opportunities to like just build more connective and like really prioritize those types of relationships too um so yeah i think it's it's a way nuanced um conversation but yeah i think this sort of the conception of you know the individual now versus this huge problem is obviously not i mean it's a losing battle every time so um yeah. very depressing very depressing oh no yeah you're right <laughs> um tell me about sadness dies badly like a waiting room plant <laughs> um I guess that that's uh, a newer poem. Um, and I guess the last couple of months, um, I've been writing a lot of poems that are sort of similar in tone. In that, um, I guess it's still sort of a general theme of isolation, but instead of pitting it up against sort of this like hella externalized, like large scale issue, it's more of like, sort of like intrapersonal isolation, like not feeling as connected to folks. I mean, obviously in a COVID world, that's something that I feel like we all can relate to, especially now. Um, but yeah, that poem was just kind of like this silly little thing that I just kind of on a whim submitted and it got accepted. So that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just about feeling like completely dissimilar from other people. And in that way, you know, in turn, you kind of feel completely sort of far apart from yourself too. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Again, not very happy. <laughs> I feel like such a downer. No, 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 not at all. I mean, I mean, it validates stuff that a lot of people feel on a day to day basis of that despondency and, and detachment. Um, mm -hmm. no, I mean, there's nothing as sad as seeing a gorgeous like plant in an indoor space with no light and obviously it's not getting watered and it just like slowly dies there's just nothing more sad than that in my opinion well a lot of things but it's 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 up there <laughs> yeah that's a contender yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah uh well in terms of like um yeah like pity milk press in the last couple of years and just you know what you've accomplished and who you've met like yeah like what are some things you're most proud of about the press Oh wow. Um I would I would say sort of um prioritizing uh sort of this like, you know, collaborative mode. Um I think, you know, making a couple chapbooks um for individual authors for the first couple of years was fun. Um but when we came up with the conception of duet duet, which is this um journal we put out that houses two poets in the same book um so so as cool. to like decenter like one particular voice and instead sort of get poets used to like sharing the stage i guess you could say <laughs> um so yeah that and like sort of using that as a means to either stay connected with folks that we used to be sort of more intimately creating with and also meeting new people and then also having them meet each other so it's kind of really cute to just see, you know, folks on social media who were brought together in an issue, seeing them follow each other and support each other on social media and sort of build relationships yeah. from that experience. It's like, okay, cool, that worked. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Um, that sort of a thing. Um, but I guess 
yeah, I guess it is kind of just, I'm proud that we've kind of continued. And I guess I say we, because I, I hadn't mentioned up until this point, it's, um, it's me and another a fellow bookmaker and poet um, that run Pity Milk. Um, their name is Edie Roberts. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, um, so that's why I'm saying we. Um, I think that we're really, really proud that we've sort of maintained that as sort of the, the sort of um, fulcrum of everything that we do is, you know, to keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that said, uh, so what's been your most recent thing you've uh, pressed on Pity Ooh, um, actually we put out, well, I should say I, they weren't really a part of that process, but you know, when quarantine hit, things were kind of, obviously people were dealing with other shit and we decided to put out a few things of our own. Um, so I put out a book for Edie Roberts called Ain't Life Grand. And um, those are some of my favorite poems of theirs. They're, I guess we can <laughs> circle back to the sort of uh, conversation we're having about isolation, but it's, it's very sort of like clearly and directly focused in a way um, that I really appreciate and love. Um, and we also put out a copy of Duet Duet that was sort of a COVID edition. <laughs> um, so people writing of experiences with um, quarantine. Um, but right now we have our submissions open through the end of May. Um, and we are so delighted at the, the quality of submissions that we've been receiving. Um, and so we're kind of gearing up to set a schedule forth for about a year, year and a half, where we sort of like slowly unveil the projects that we're gonna be printing. So we're kind of in this weird lull space of collecting um, submissions and reading submissions. Um, and then, so hopefully, you know, by the time summer hits, we can have more of an idea of where things are going for the next year. But we're really excited about it because, like I said, the material we're getting is amazing. And we're so happy that people think of us and trust us with their work. Oh, I love that for you. Yeah, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it's been nice. Yeah. yeah. And it's great to see that, you know, people are finding, um, you know, creative inspiration in very rough and chaotic times so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah uh is so and is it uh do you have like a physical location or is it all just kind of diy so far um no but i have a canon printer and a paper guillotine and a desk in my basement and that's kind of where all the magic happens that's that's company headquarters huh yeah <laughs> located in good old river west for the time being. <laughs> right, uh, in, a, in an undisclosed location. <laughs> yes, but yeah. we do have a pretty yard. <laughs> oh, well, that's... You can find us by the yard, probably. I don't know. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. it's, it's cool, actually. It's not just, you know, sort of haphazardly put together in the basement. There's a cool sort of offset studio space. And that's the first time that we've actually ever had that as a press. It's always been like, okay, let's take out this tote full of a bunch of paper, haul it over to Digicopy or wherever, have it printed. Um, so I, we made the conscious decision about a year ago to sort of invest in production and more materials and a larger space to be able to organize ourselves a little bit better. And it's been probably the best investment we've made in a while. It's fun. Upgrading. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, it could use some work, but yeah, it, it does for now.
So can the Nice Guy podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, currently sitting in my bedroom uh, on a very rickety chair, um, and I sleep five feet away from where I tape this show. I so, can see a pillow. I'm wondering yeah. what's in that pillowcase. <laughs> I'm trying to decipher that pattern. Yeah, it's, I don't know. There's just some sh some uh, flannel sheets my mom gave me. But, Cute. <laughs> you know, um, well, Chelsea, uh, it's been wonderful getting to know you and Pity Milk Press. Uh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you. This conversation you know, was wonderful. Thank you for having me. This was great. Yeah, it's uh, I, I I think uh, we've recognized that like um, you know we value a lot of the same things and in, mm -hmm. in uh, terms of art and expression and community and uh, that is uh, that's so lovely. So um, yeah, I long uh, live poetry it. and long live community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> rad, it's so rad. Rad. I was yeah. trying to come up with like a really smart poetic um, acronym for that, but I didn't have enough time. Maybe I'll think of something and, and message you later. <laughs> yeah, uh, let me know. Uh, let me know how that goes. As we're closing out, um, I ask everyone the same two questions. Okay. I'll see. What keeps you up at night? Oh. <sighs> Climate anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Should be keeping everyone up at night. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the second question is, what puts you to sleep? Uh, melatonin. Recently, <laughs> and valerian, but also I guess um, counting backward from a hundred, and then also kind of sprinkling in a gratitude somewhere in there, and sort of grounding myself through things that are still joyous because I guess that's something that I do want to close on and say, cause we did kind of get into heavy water or deep water, heavy water. Um, you know, there's still the joyous and I'm, yeah. you know, as, as much as I'm anxious about um, what isn't working, I'm equally just sort of ecstatic about the possibilities that still exist in our joy. Yeah, revolutionary optimism is key. Yes, I agree. <laughs> also, uh, Animal Collective, they help a lot. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're a fan too? Cool. <laughs> I, hard I said cool, not rad that time. <laughs> that is um, a good way to switch it up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> thank you. I'm a poet, so, you know. Right, right, that. yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a music journalist, so I'm constantly... Um, alternating putting different synonyms and rotations so oh yeah oh yeah yeah to keep it interesting gotta spice it up <laughs> uh, thanks for, thanks again for being on the show chelsea oh, thank you for having me this has been so lovely and cheers to you for doing what you do and i'm excited to see more hey you too thank you so much uh i excited for what's in store um it's kind of a uh hard to set your expectations anywhere these days but um you know great episodes like this definitely uh fuel the fire so oh thank you um, enjoy enjoy the river and enjoy your window birds tomorrow morning <laughs> oh i will <laughs> and their songs i'm i i look this i i constantly look forward to that every day so <laughs> hell yeah well for everyone watching i'll be tagging the link to pity milk press so you can check out their wonderful work doing diy uh chat books and poetry and illustrations and uh, i'll be tagging the link to the website so you can check it out and uh reach out if you have any inquiries uh thank you for watching mr nice guy we'll see you next time